All right, here we go. Awesome. So you can just start with introducing yourself. Name, business, location. My name is Nicole Shree Odin. I am a licensed attorney in the state of California. I've been an attorney for 10 years this year, and I am the owner and attorney for Nicole Shree Odin Law. And I practice family law as well as online business law. And I also have an online business where I provide legal templates for other online business owners, and that is Nicole Shree Odin LL. Awesome. So this is kind of interesting because this could just be my bad perspective, quote unquote bad. There's not a lot of women lawyers that are. So, so tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, maybe nowadays, like it's, you know, women have more opportunity to like do what they want, but do you feel like that industry is typically mostly men? So demographically things have actually changed to where I want to say like within the last two years, there were actually more females going through law school and getting barred than males, but it is still predominantly a male driven career. And I think a lot of that has to do with kind of the stereotypical law career. I mean, you're at this firm, you're grinding away 12 to 14 hour days, you're sacrificing time with your family, you know, it just, that becomes your life. And I am very appreciative that when I got out of law school, there was kind of this starting shift to kind of more online virtual type businesses. And I'm very, very proud that my firm is hundred percent virtual. Hmm. I have physical space if I need to use it for meetings and such, but everything we can do on zoom on phone courts now are moving virtual. So yeah. court appearances are done virtually these days, especially during COVID. So I think there's been a big shift. I think there's still a lot of change that's necessary. Right. Uh, and I think I'm in a unique position because I'm a little bit of a disruptor. So things for me are a lot different, but there still is a lot of that typical, like big law, stereotypical type law career. And of course you said you're a little bit disruptive. So I want to know all about that. So what, how do you say that? (laughs) So, I mean, my path in law has been a little bit different. I had my daughter, I'd been at my old firm for going on five years and I was in like loving wholeheartedly that stereotypical legal career. I was working 12 hour days. Um, you know, I was in the office by seven. I wasn't home until like seven or eight and I was checking emails all the time and in court and mm-hmm. it was that fast pace. Yeah. And then I had my daughter, I went through a period of postpartum anxiety and really trying to figure out how I was going to balance being there for this little three month old and being there for my clients and meeting my billable requirements and just like living life without feeling like I was drowning. Yeah. And so I just said, you know what, this isn't for me. I'm going to create my own firm that lets me be flexible. And so I kind of just jumped, not really knowing what that looked like. And I've kind of just built it every step of the way. And I've been on my own now longer than I was employed as a associate attorney at a firm. So it's kind of cool to be able to say that now. That's awesome. And so is that like not a typical thing? Cause I mean, I hear that, you know, for small businesses, they're like, Oh, I used to work here. And then, then I just went and started my own thing. But for some reason, my brain's like that may have been more difficult leaving a structured law firm. And then you're going to go and create your own. Did you have any resistance from starting your own law firm or was it a smooth process? It wasn't smooth. I mean, I was very lucky to where I had connected with other female attorneys. Mm. And so while I was trying to figure out what my firm looked like and what I wanted to be doing, I had flexibility to where they were basically sending me overflow work. Mm. And I actually still work with 
uh, three female-owned family law firms, and I will still jump in and help them with things in addition to having my own caseload and having my online business. Right. But it was just kind of a lot of trial and error. And I think the pushback I got was because the field of law is so kind of stereotypical. You become an attorney, you grind, you make partner. Like there's just this very traditional trajectory. And I kind of said F you to that because it yeah. didn't fit my life anymore. So yeah, I've kind of just day by day built something that fits my life and I've been happy about it. And it's been amazing because more and more I'm finding that there's a lot more women in the industry who are doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to have that sounding board for validation, basically, that it's something that more people want. Yeah, absolutely. I think anybody that listens to this, you know, there's a time and a point where they're doing something that doesn't necessarily work for their life or the life that they want. And then they have an idea of this isn't it. I want to go start my own thing. But in, you know, especially being in marketing and coaching and spirituality, there's a gap of how many people actually look at that and then go make the leap, right? So for you, you know, one, you're a a woman here in this industry. So you kind of already got the, the nick on that. You have a brand new baby, another nick on that. So for you, what was the driving force that actually had you go and take that huge unknown step? Control of my calendar. For me, I've really found that work-life balance is a big thing for me. I am a big bit of uh, a workaholic. Like Mm -hmm. I, I tend to really like settle in and drive. Like when I set a goal, that's my goal and I'm going for it. And so for me, I really have to keep that in check and I schedule self-care time on my calendar. So it's there and I don't miss it. And I'm very intentional about when I end my day so that I can have dinner with my family and do bedtime with my daughter. And I'm the one that drops her off in the morning. So it's not like we have a nanny that's doing a lot of, and you know, I don't throw shade on people who have, you know, stressful careers and they have help more power to them, but that was not the type of life that I wanted to set up Mm. for myself. So that control of calendar is a big thing for me. Yeah, definitely. So I want to explore something with you because I'm, I'm curious, a workaholic, right? So I'm in a, a spiritual conversation aside from being a business owner, right? So on one hand, like I love working because I get to be creative. I get to use like this knowledge and put it somewhere. And I also really value doing whatever I want when I want, right? And some most time I'm like, I don't want to work. I just want to go play, right? So this term workaholic, I'm kind of curious, what has you be a work? workaholic or what has you want to work a lot? I think it's just because I've really found a niche that I'm passionate about. Mm. And so for me, it doesn't necessarily feel like work. Um, And this is a conversation I have with my husband a lot because he'll be like, like, just put it down. Like he's the same way. He would rather be playing than working. And he is, you know, a W2 employee. And so that fits for him. Right. For me, like when I get fired up, when I have a case, whether it's, you know, a family law case or whether it's me helping this online business owner that's getting started and needs contracts, I just kind of go all in and I'm very excited about helping. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's a big thing for me. I feel like I'm really doing work that benefits my clients and will help them in the long run. And so to everyone else, it kind of, that's the term that they give it as workaholic. And for me, it's just something I'm passionate about. So I like sit in it and time can pass and it doesn't feel like it's passing because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. 
Right. Absolutely. So for you, you know, I, I have a, a, a soon to be four-year-old daughter and how old's your daughter right now? She just turned five. Turned five. Okay. So we're a little on the same scale, you know, but since you've been in business much longer than I have, I'm, I'm kind of curious you being someone that is so driven and really passionate about what you're doing, but you are also a mom and a wife. How does that work? How do you find that balance? Because I, I'm kind of thinking from my own personal perspective, you know, there are times where I just get on these like kicks and I'm like, all I want to do is work because I'm so excited about it. But then I, I really want to take a lot of my time away from, you know, cooking, cleaning, being with my kid. I just want to do the bare minimum, make sure they're safe and happy, but I want to go be a businesswoman. So how has that been that experience for you in your life? Yeah. So there's been a bit of an ebb and flow and I do have to do like a check on my schedule weekly. Like Sunday is my check-in day and I kind of look to see, and obviously practicing family law things shift very quickly and there's client emergencies. And so things can change, but it really is just being kind of strict in terms of setting my boundaries, knowing that some weeks work is going to win and some weeks my family is, and just being okay with that ebb and flow and understanding it's part of the business that I chose and the field, my career that I love. And I just kind of have to roll with the punches sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. So do you ever experience, you know, when you're in that, maybe the ebb and the flow of where you're really wanting to just focus a lot of your time and energy into your, your work, do you ever have the experience that you're, let's just put it simply like a bad mom or guilty that you're not this stay at home wife taking care of anything? Do you ever experience that? You know, with COVID and having a dose of being a bit of a stay at home mom, no, (laughs) I wasn't built to be a stay at home mom. Like I can just admit that and say Mm -hmm. that I love my daughter and I love my career. And I think I can have both Mm -hmm. and more power to women who are called to be a stay at home mom. I think that there are women that that is just where they excel and that's what they enjoy doing. I love my career and I love my daughter and it's fun because she gets to kind of see what it's like to build a business and to have that responsibility. Uh, And she's just so curious and she'll, she'll come in and she likes typing on my computer and like using my legal pads to take notes and she'll pretend she's on conference calls. And so Like for me, that's rewarding because I'm like, yes, I'm creating like this little future CEO. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Kind of going back and like kind of saying it in a different way. And again, only just talking from my personal experience. I, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I kind of have dealt with feeling like I had to pick and choose. Like, Mm -hmm. do I want to be like a badass businesswoman or do I want to be an extraordinary mother? And, And though I can, I know conceptually that I can have both. It doesn't feel real sometimes, right? Like sometimes it's like, I'm going to go in all on my business and it takes away from me, like sitting down and playing and doing things with my daughter. And then I have guilt that I love my business so much. So Mm -hmm. is that something you've experienced where you love your job, but you feel guilty that you love it? Yes and no. I think I've come to terms with the fact that I have a finite amount of time with my daughter versus Mm -hmm. my business to me is always going to be there in some way, shape or form. I'm always going to have time to build my business. So I think from the growth point of view, I've kind of more come to realization that I'm building more of a lifestyle business right now because that's what works for my lifestyle. And when I'm ready to grow and I'm ready to expand and potentially bring on other attorneys and things, she'll be older and I'll be in a position where I'll have more flexibility to do that. And I think it just works how it's built now for my life right now. 
Yeah. Well, and that's such a good point. Like I've, I've been coming to learn that as I do these podcasts myself and for the listeners, I, a lot of teaching is being, is being gained here. So what I'm kind of hearing out of that is like, you know, I'm definitely the person like it's now, you know, I'm like, I set my goals for the year and it's like, I got to be on fours, make a million dollars, have no debt, buy 16 properties. And it's like by the end of the year. Right. <laughs> so what I'm, I'm learning from what you're saying though, is like, I don't have to be like superwoman successful right now in this very moment. Right. And I think that maybe a lot of people can relate to that. They're like, it has to be now instead of realizing like we got time, we got a lot of time actually. Well, and I think success is measured differently. Like for me, when I made the leap, my measuring stick was, could I get to a point where I was matching my law firm salary and my business by myself? And I did that within like six months. Right. And then the goal was like, okay, well, could I double that? Mm. And so it's like just setting those goals that they do push you and they force you to grow, but they're attainable. And it just kind of is that perpetual growth. So I think it's just being realistic about what success looks like for you at that time and stage of your life. Yeah. And, you know, obviously those crazy big long-term goals are something that's so good to have. But I think in today's world of the social media highlight reel, Right. These unrealistic expectations and goals are something that are just like jammed down our throats. Right. And it it's something we internalize and we do have that feeling of guilt and that feeling of I'm not enough and I can't do this and imposter syndrome pops up. And you do have to be really careful in your mindset and really like focus to kind of block out a lot of that, that yeah. crap these days. Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of piggybacks on to my next question here is, you know, I have a, a perception of lawyers, right? They're fierce. They probably got real sass to them, fiery, <laughs> a lot of boundaries, like strong, dominant, right? Maybe a little aggressive at times. Does that resonate for you as a lawyer? <laughs> a yes and no. So my dad, since I was like four, told me I was going to be an attorney. And so my big thing was, oh no, like I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the opposite. And then I ended up becoming an attorney. Cause I think there is some truth to my personality. I'm very outspoken and opinionated and I fight for what I believe is right. And I think those are characteristics of having a good advocate. But on the flip side of that, especially in my practice, I've built a practice that is settlement minded. So where a lot of attorneys are very litigious and they want to duke it out in court and there are cases where that's necessary for me, especially in family law, I prefer to see families settle to mediate, to help out in a limited scope capacity. So they're reserving a lot of their assets for themselves and their family, because I'm not going to be there. Like their family is going to be there indefinitely in one shape or another. It's going to look different. It's going to be restructured, but they have to continue with their kids, with their, you know, their life. I'm not going to be there anymore. So I've taken a bit of a different path in that sense to where I prefer to work in that more conciliatory uh, let's get this settled. Let's hammer it out to save you funds, to yeah. save you the fight. So I kind of see both sides of the coin. Yeah, definitely. I feel like women are kind of on the come up right now, right? Like we're really stepping into our power, right? So for you being the strong individual who's going after what you want, and I love how you're just so accepting that you love what you do, like really embodying that. Cause I think especially women, we don't fully embrace it. Like, yes, I'm a hardworking woman and I love it, right? We might have a little resistance to that. So for some reason, what, what came up was how does that work in your relationship? And the reason I'm asking this is I'm seeing on a, and maybe a a transformational self-development level, women are starting to own their power that it's almost like a men don't get to be the dominant ones anymore. So I'm kind of interested, you know, 
how does that work in your relationship? Like you being the one that's like, I'm going to work and I'm making some money and we're going to do this. Like, how does that work in your relationship? My husband's very supportive and he always has been. And for him, it's like, he got to be there since day one. We were high school sweethearts. And so he watched me go through, finish college and go through law school and pass the bar and build my career this way. And so it's nice to have like my own cheerleader on the sidelines. I'm definitely the more outspoken, argumentative one in our relationship. But I think we're kind of like yin and yang in that sense because there's times where like his calmness will have me check my crazy sometimes yeah absolutely (laughs) so it's like that balance he's definitely the one like if something's wrong when we're out to eat I'm the one that's like complaining and sending stuff back where he's like you know (laughs) yeah yeah but we balance each other so it works Hmm. that's interesting maybe because I'm younger and, and have yet to be married so I'm in my own discovery of how can I own my power without not letting a man be a man Does that make sense? Like, uh, Mm -hmm. and not really knowing how to do it in all honesty. Cause it's like, it feels like sometimes I have this perspective. Like if I'm really in my power, like I don't give a shit. It's my way. I know the right way I'm going for it. Ain't no man going to tell me nothing. Right. So it's like, I guess it's like in this inquiry, how do I honor that power and that drive without taking it away from the man that wants to be a provider and a, you know, man of the house, I guess, kind of deal, right? I think roles are so fluid these days too. I think that stereotypical gender kind of stereotyping is still there. It's still right. predominant, but I mean, I am seeing more and more in my family law practice the man is the stay at home spouse with the woman that's out working and he's raising the kids and he is carpooling and he's taking them to sports. And I'm seeing that more and more. And so I think there's this change in society about the view of what that looks like and who, you know, the person in power is. And I think there is kind of this leveling of the playing field. And for me, it's just like acknowledging that some of that still exists because it's kind of something we were raised into and so like acknowledging that and making sure that like my husband feels comfortable but you also find somebody who respects the fact that you are driven and they respect the fact that you're passionate about what you do Mm. and I think without that kind of level of respect you know right to build on yeah absolutely I kind of want to dive in a different direction here so family law so I'm, I'm only a little bit familiar with it because my sister has a company, like a paralegal. So my knowledge of like the legal world is very minimal. So tell me a little bit, like what is family law? What do you do? Yeah. So family law in, encompasses everything from paternity actions. So determining who is the father of a mm-hmm. child to divorce when parties have married It can also encompass prenuptial agreements. So setting out kind of your expectations before you get married and things of that nature. So in my practice, I focus primarily on divorce law. That's kind of my, Mm -hmm. I do have some paternity actions and some post-judgment, meaning people who have gone through divorce, they have a judgment and then something's changed to where now they need to go modify the orders. Got it. But I work primarily on a limited scope or mediator or collaborative law basis where I'm either helping you with your spouse work through something so you guys come to an agreement and avoid court um, or I'm coming in in a limited capacity to assist either with strategy or drafting documents or making a limited appearance for you, not handling the whole entire case. Mm. Because for me, I am finding more and more family law cases are expensive. 
like to yeah. handle your case, if it's going to be a super litigious case from start to finish, you could end up spending anywhere from a hundred thousand to a million dollars, depending on the size of your estate, how litigious your ex is. There's so many factors, obviously yeah. things like child custody, or if you have a business that needs to be valued can drive up costs because you're also wow. getting a forensic accountant involved. Yeah. And my, my group that I work with primarily tends to be millennials because it's people who went through a very shitty divorce with their parents. Yeah. Saw what that did to them, saw how, how financially it drained them. And they've made the conscious decision to separate in a very different way. Yeah. And so that's kind of my key in the family law arena, my niche. Yeah, definitely. So I think this is my curiosity for humans here, picking your brain. When you have all these cases with people getting divorced, is there a common pattern about why people are getting divorced or what they're fighting about? I mean, finance is a big one. Mm. Not being on the same financial page, having somebody who's a bit of a spendthrift that doesn't appreciate budgets that runs up credit cards can be a big issue. Infidelity is another big one because obviously you've broken trust. Yeah. I think those would be kind of the two biggest. And obviously California is a no fault state, meaning if somebody does cheat on you, you can't run into court and use that against them. But those are kind of the two primary reasons Hmm. I see. That's interesting. And so like from your perspective, because on one hand and my creator brain here, is there anything that you've ever wanted to create or maybe you have already created it that you see all these cases you see the cost you see the the hardship that it puts families through and kind of you knowing what the maybe a common factor is or a common problem that you see is there anything that you've done or want to do to help people on the flip side where you're preventing that for them preventing divorce essentially yeah Yeah, like to to support them like not having to go through that (laughs) I think a big push especially lately is the idea of a prenup. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people think the idea of a prenup is like for rich people, but it's really, really not. It takes a lot of the fight out of the process if you do decide to divorce down the line. So there's been this big change, I want to say over probably the past like five years to where prenups are becoming more common for people who are getting married. So that's a big thing. And I just, I'm a big proponent of counseling Mm. and just being very open about your feelings and honest about them before you jump into marriage. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I think we've become a society where divorce is so kind of common. So Mm. people now don't have that stigma as much as perhaps they used to. But I think for me, my focus really has been on helping people through the process afterwards, because I think it's inevitable. Like it's just something, unfortunately, as a family attorney, like there's always going to be people out there that need help because that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Right. For me, it really is just making the process more affordable, more accessible, and being able to kind of meet people where they're at and understand that it doesn't have to be this nasty, right, dragged out, litigious five-year War of the Roses divorce. Right. Um, it just doesn't have to be like that. And I think so just educating people once they've decided to make that move that yeah. there is a different way is a big thing for me. No, definitely. And I, and I want to kind of touch base here on like the prenups, you know, and, and I, I'm kind of going to just speak for everyone, maybe just for the sake of it. But I have this perspective that it's disrespectful almost to get a prenup or to ask for a prenup or have someone ask me to do a prenup. Is that something that you're familiar with? Is that a familiar perspective? Like a prenup is a bad thing or you don't love the person or you don't plan on staying with them? I think a lot of people kind of the common view of prenups is that it's like divorce planning. 
almost, which is not true. Really. It's just, if things don't work out, this is how we anticipate things going in the process. So you're almost taking a lot of the fight out in advance. So that's been kind of a a common change. I think that the the view you expressed is something that traditionally is what most people think like, oh, F you, I'm not going to sign something saying this is how it's going to go. Like if we get divorced, I'm going to make you pay. I think is a very common, right. You know, conception, but I think more and more they're becoming common. And I think for people who choose not to go down the prenup route, then they're also considering the more conciliatory processes like mediating their divorce or even just working with consulting attorneys to kind of come up with some agreement and walk through the process so it's not so expensive. Yeah. And so how does that work? Because I kind of just want to address like a couple of things logistically for those that may even be listening and going through a divorce or, you know, let's be real, are thinking about a divorce and haven't fully made that step. So how does that work when, you know, most people on here, I'm assuming are going to be business owners, right? So for someone that does have a business, right? If I got married and let's say I didn't get a prenup, does my partner have rights to my business? And if I like blew up and was super successful, do they have rights to that? So there's kind of two parts to the analysis. So did you start the business before marriage or during marriage? And then also the efforts that went into the business during marriage. So there is going to be arguably some sort of community component, um, whether you started it before or during, it's Mm -hmm. just the level of community, meaning the level that you both have in terms of an interest. So that's definitely something that you would need to explore, um, you know, and it, it kind of comes down to how big your business is, what you're earning is the other spouse willing to just kind of maybe walk away and trade something else for it so that you don't have to get into an expensive valuation right. type situation. So it is kind of case specific. Got it. And so like, let's just say that maybe you had a little business to begin with, you got married, you did a prenup. So is a prenup really just for what your current assets are? Or is that included in the potential of what your life could look like? Mm -hmm. So when you're working out the prenup terms, it's basically, this is what I have now, this is separate property, and you lay out what you anticipate separate property, meaning it's yours alone. Mm -hmm. California is a community property state. So when you get married, everything that you acquire during marriage is viewed as both of yours. It's community. Gotcha. So in the prenup process, you're laying out what would be considered separate, meaning your property. And that could be things that you acquire down the line. Mm. Um, So it's, it's a process that you walk through to determine kind of whose is what essentially. Right. Okay. Got it. I'm thinking, you know, no matter what you're a lawyer, so you're dealing with people's intimate lives, right? Like you're really seeing what most people don't get to be exposed to, right? These like secret moments and in different aspects of people's life. How do you not take that in personally? Like, or maybe you do, I don't know. So I, it's funny. This is what actually led me to start the online business side mm-hmm. uh, of my practice. And so it is a lot. And especially as a mom and you have so much going on, emotions do tend to weigh on you and you can internalize things. And I'm a bit of an empath. So sometimes, especially during really nasty cases, it can get to be a lot. And so I had launched my virtual firm and I was in the online space and I started getting a lot of questions about what it looks like to have a business in the online space. Um, And can you just help me? Can you review this? Can you do this contract? And so it was kind of this natural progression of, I can help online business owners as well in this way. And so it's funny. I feel like I have this juxtaposition where I have the very emotional family law clients balanced with my new business owner clients who are like so excited and they're like 
so excited to talk to me and map out what business growth looks like and what their contract says. And so it's like this weird, I kind of ping pong between them and it, it helps me kind of process the emotions and balance it all. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I'm, I'm thinking like legal zoom, that's pretty much the most common legal document one. So how does that work against or for your business? Because from what I little that I know, it's like, you can go to legal zoom, get a lot of documents for pretty much anything without the cost of an attorney, you know, but you don't really have that professional guidance, right? So what are your viewpoints about people using LegalZoom or just downloading documents? How does that play in your favor or work against your business? Well, especially for newer online business owners, I'm a big proponent for legal templates. And that's why I created my, uh, my online business offers the legal template side of things, but it's coming from an attorney perspective, Mm. meaning somebody who kind of understands the online space and how these contracts are going to work in the online space. Obviously I'm not acting as an attorney in that role. And I do encourage people to take the completed template to an attorney to just review and make sure it matches what they're doing in their business. And I do think there's a need for affordable legal, especially for business owners just getting started. I mean, If you're telling somebody who's launching an online business, because now all you need is like a GoDaddy domain and an email account, and you can set up a WooCommerce store or Shopify and like away you go. Yeah. So this idea of like this big capital startup that a lot of business owners had before is not there anymore. That that gateway to entry is so much more minimized. So the thought of spending $2,000 to $5,000 with an attorney to set up their entity and get their contracts and, you know, da, 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 da is a lot. Yeah. And so there's value, I think, to the legal templates, but there is also value to having an attorney. And so that's why my big concept, especially for online businesses, because that's my focus is free education, flat fee services, and the legal yeah. templates, because it gives you, depending on where you are, a way to work with an attorney in a more affordable way and make sure that you're protecting yourself and your business because you work so hard and you put so much effort in to build this thing that you're passionate about. And all it takes is like one really shitty client or contract mess up and you're in litigation and it gets expensive and it's a headache. And so I really just want to make sure that legal is accessible as women are starting to build these businesses. Yeah, absolutely. But I think there's, there's something, I don't know, like there's something about you being a lawyer where it's like perfection, right? Like that, if you're a lawyer, you're super intelligent, you know what the fuck you're doing, right? So I'm, I'm kind of curious, like, are you open to sharing a moment when you were not that, that you did mess up, you did make a big mistake Mm -hmm. in your practice? One thing I could touch on is when I was starting my online business, the circle of attorneys in the online space is small. Mm. Um, and a potential coach I was looking at hiring had pointed me to another attorney to just kind of like see what she was doing and reach out and pick her brain. But essentially she was like, yeah, you, you know, she's one of my old clients. You can kind of pick her brain and just see how she set up her practice. And so right. I had kind of reached out and, you know, obviously when you're talking about online documents, privacy policies in terms of use, and like, there's very designated ways of speaking about things and you give it your own voice, but she had it felt it was more along the lines of like, I was trying to potentially reach out to just copy her business versus right. pointed in her direction to just perhaps like have some level of professional support. And I'm a big person that's like community over competition. Amen. A thousand attorneys out there. Like we're yeah. all talking about the same shit. Yes. You can be supportive because yeah. we all have a different audience and clearly that was not her vibe. And so it was a very like eye opening experience for me, a about how to approach people to, you know, connect and communicate, but be also to just never be an asshole. Like, 
<laughs> if somebody is a newbie and they're just reaching out because they want to chat, you know, there's a way to handle it and there's a way not to. And so for me, it was just, maybe I could have handled it differently in terms of how I reached out. And I do go through that, but it was also a very good learning experience for me about how I'm not going to treat other women business owners that way. And I love that you brought that up. I'm like, that's my thing. Like collaboration over competition. Like, you know, when I first started Ventura County Business Women, the networking group, you know, I have, I just started my business. I was a marketer. And then as it grew and the members grew, I mean, we have probably over 10 or 15, maybe even more than 20 people now that all do social media marketing, right? And people would be like, oh, like, I don't, should I post this? I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Because most of the time people are going to use my business because they, they're connected to me and they enjoy my personality. Right. So in that it, you know, it's like people, they all have a different flavor. Our personalities are different. And even with our, you know, it's the same exact service. It's still delivered different, no matter what, because there's different, there's different wording, different way you're going about it, how you handle it, the energy. So I love that you just brought that to the conversation because I think so many people, men and women in business get stopped by, oh, this is my competition or I have to be careful of them. And it's like such a heaviness that gets brought into that. Yeah. And I think it's been nice because it's let me curate a group of women that are very supportive and like mirror how I want to be in business. And I think the idea of surrounding yourself with people that are going to help you up level and are going to help you grow is so important. That's been such a big part of my business journey. Um, You know, just from day one, surrounding myself with the other, you know, female family law firm owners. And then also as I've grown my business practice, I've got other business attorneys that I can chat with and that are so willing and open to to help. I mean, the power of social media is crazy because I connected with intellectual property attorney. I think she's in Indiana or Chicago. She's somewhere back East. And we chat all the time. And so I'm going to be adding trademarks to my practice also, because that's something that online business owners have been asking for. And she's just like, let me know if you have questions, like I'll walk Mm -hmm. you through it. I'll help you get it set up. And it's like, that to me is amazing because I feel like it's so encouraged in men. And I think with women, because we've fought so hard to get to where we are, we're so territorial. Mm. And so it's nice, I think, to see that more spirit of collaboration and support in understanding that we all have a different audience that we serve because who speaks to me is not going to speak to you and vice versa. Right. And I love that you use that word territorial, right? I think we've carried that as women for a long time because we had to, you know, our men, our home, our children, right? And it's an interesting because the question I was going to ask you was why, why do you think women tend to lean towards competition versus collaboration? And I think you just said it so spot on. There's like a, this is mine. We've had to work so much harder to have it be ours that now it's like a constant fear of like, I don't want it to be taken away. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember in my business and even, you know, when I was first starting, I had this thing of like. I didn't want to give away too much information because then people weren't going to need me anymore. And I was going through my, you know, healing and my journey. And it was like, oh, the more I give, the more people want it because they trust. Like if I give my knowledge away, they're like, okay, I know that you know what you're doing. I want to work with you. Right. Do you feel like that resonates with you? Yeah. No, that's a big thing. Cause my, my platform is built on education, whether it's my law firm or my online business, I just 
like to share, because I think the more people that know this information, the better off that they are. And at the end of the day, somebody's going to come work with me because they need a little bit more handholding. They need something that's specific to their business and a situation and fact patterns differ and case law changes. And, you know, there are certain cut and dry parts of legal, but it is very factual. And so I think being able to be open and share and educate is such a big part of my business. And I love doing that for me, educating and informing is such a fun thing for me. You know, if I can help somebody avoid a crisis, then that, that makes my day. So I love that. And so for you, you know, you're, you're, you have this beautiful business, it's growing, you're adding things to it. So where do you see this going in the next couple of years? What's your vision for your business? Yeah. So my mom actually recently retired from the Los Angeles County court system. And so my big goal right now is to get her hired on as my paralegal, which oh, is wow. be a lot of fun. Yeah. So she'll be coming on to help. Um, I'm going to be getting a receptionist in place soon. So up until now, I'm still handling like all my phone calls, everything, because I purposely keep my caseload to something I can handle and things are growing like crazy. So um, I'm a big automation person. So a lot of stuff's automated. So it's just continuing to grow those systems, but just continue to grow. That's my plan. I'm just going to continue to grow and it's going to grow as I can accommodate and we'll see how big it grows. Yeah. <laughs> so this is kind of interesting. So is it just you doing all of it? Well, I, I do have some independent contractors helping with, you know, graphic design and social media and some scheduling. And so I do have some people, but nobody like full-time in the mm. business. This is interesting, you know, because for one, and I I see it all the time on social media, it's like hire people, you got to hire people so you can get out, right? Like, so you have to stop doing the work. And and I guess the reason why it piques my interest is that I think that it's those force fed thoughts again, like for you to be powerful, successful, you have to work your ass off to then give it away. So you don't have to do it anymore. So I guess it's like me hearing that, you know, you've been in business for a long time, you've been successful. And it's still kind of like you're the main person after all this time. And I think it's cool for the listeners to hear that because, and even for me, I'm taking that in, you know, like, I guess it's okay. It's okay. Like, it's okay if it's just you and you growing it and finding different avenues for multiple streams of income. But I guess your business doesn't always have to be, I want thousands of employees and CEO and and corporations, which I think is kind of the standard thing that people are going after right now. Well, and I think that was a big part of me making the decision that I was going to build a lifestyle business because it fits mm-hmm. my lifestyle. Yeah. And so I am not saying that, you know, in five years from now, I may not have an associate and a full-time paralegal who is my mother. Um, <laughs> we could get there, but right. I also know that I don't want to grow to a point of where I'm not able to be present. Mm. And I don't want to grow to a point of where I hand everything off and I'm not doing the work that I love. And I think that's really what it comes down for me is like finding a business that you really enjoy doing. So it doesn't. I don't want to say it never feels like work because sometimes there are days where I'm just like, oh my God, why am I doing this? (laughs) (laughs) True. Um, But more often than not, I enjoy what I do. And so it makes it worth it. Yeah. I love that. You know, I, I feel like this is a cool perspective, you know, me as a business owner learning also, because I've been on the grind, like I got to make this big and hand it off which has caused a lot of inquiry about, am I in the right business for my soul? Mm -hmm. Because I I love marketing. I'm good at marketing. And there's like, I want to hand that shit off. I want to make money from it and hand it off because that's not what I really want to be doing. So I guess it's like hearing you share this. It's the, the perspective is like, I've been so concerned about what business should look like. 
And though I've heard the term, you know, lifestyle business, I've heard it, but it hasn't been truthful for me. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, lifestyle business, this is what I'm creating. So I really, I really acknowledge you for bringing that to the conversation because I think there's on one hand, we start businesses because we want to have a certain kind of lifestyle, but then we forget what that actually means because we're so wrapped up in the inherited ideas of success and what business should look like and what growth should look like. So thank you for, for bringing that to the, the table here. Well, thank you for acknowledging that. And I think it, it speaks a lot to the noise out there and the importance of kind of doing that gut check and like checking in with yourself to feel what feels right. And, and what do you really want at the end of the day? Cause that's what matters. Like what everybody else is doing is noise. Like, how are you building? How are you going in the direction of your goals? That's what matters. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are definitely somebody that knows what the hell she's doing. <laughs> and <laughs> for everybody that wants to stay connected with you, how can they find you on social media? Yeah, so I am on as Nicole Shree Odin Law, which is my law firm. And then if you are looking for legal templates, that's Nicole Shree Odin, pretty much on every platform, Instagram, on Facebook, on Pinterest, and I'm on LinkedIn as well as Nicole Shreeoden. All right, perfect. And then website, where can they find these templates? Yeah, so if you head to NicoleShreeoden.com, you can hit my legal shop. I also have a mini course on there. If you have no idea where to start for legal for your online business, you can snag the course. It includes a free testimonial release and also a discount for the legal templates and everything is there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here and, and opening up and sharing what really is behind the business. Thanks for having me. This was fun.